0: Never, ever marks the spot.
1: I am altering the deep. Pray I don't offer it any further.
0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast, like John Connor, is shaking their heads while you're making friends with AI. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. How's it going, man?
1: Here. Um, well said. Well said. <laughs>
0: I, I was racking my brain with that one all week. Like, how do I word this? <laughs> I, I, um, I don't know about you. I have my Sarah Connor bag ready to go. Um yeah, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> yeah, we're just moving into some scary times, to be completely honest. Um, so anyway, um, I've had a crazy busy week in terms of watching and reading stuff. And I am literally fresh. And I'm talking like an hour out of getting out of the theater from seeing Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so I have a review for you. Um, and I know you haven't had a chance to see it yet, so my review will be as spoiler-free as possible. I will try not to go outside of what you saw in the trailer. Um, okay. Netflix, I'm not, you know.
1: Fair enough. Um, I was going to say, yeah, I haven't had a chance to see it yet, unfortunately. But I'm one of those people who's online enough that you can't avoid... I don't know that I've seen any major spoilers for this one, but you can't avoid... The discussion when it comes to like these big superhero movies and stuff and over the years I've become a lot less um uptight about spoilers I kind of just kind of embrace the spoilers as I go and if minor things are ruined for me in a movie that's okay it's a little bit different (laughs) Different when I was huh?
0: I really wish there was a way to audibly, because this is an audio podcast, so they can't see the look on my face, but I really (laughs) wish they could see the look on my face when I break the fourth wall when you say uptight about spoilers. Anyway.
1: (laughs) Well, it's just one of those things. We live in a digital world, and (laughs) things are going to get spoiled for you, and if it's minor things, I mean, you just got to roll with it. It's a little bit different. Like I remember going to see uh, The Force Awakens when it first came out and I wasn't able to see it opening night. I think I had to wait till Saturday, the weekend it came out and in like a Facebook group that I'm in, that just kind of, it's just one of those groups that posts people post like nerdy memes and stuff like that. Uh, Somebody posted an image of spoiler alert for the force awakens of uh, Kylo Ren stabbing Han Solo with his lightsaber before I had even seen the movie. They spoiled like the climax of the whole thing. And, that's a little bit different, but when you're talking about like mild spoilers for a comic book superhero movie, I'm not gonna get too upset about it because it's just unavoidable in this day and age, and uh, you just gotta roll with it. That's that's what I say at least. so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: well, I will try and be kind with my spoilers. There's some things <laughs> I do want there's some things I do want to discuss, and I'll do my best to not spoil stuff.
1: So, nice. um, but what have you watched this past week? Yeah, so I have a couple of things I wanted to bring up. Um, but the first thing I wanted to bring up is actually not something that I watched or read, but something that I did this past week, because I don't know if you've noticed, Drew, but we're uh, full on into garage sale season right now. Uh, I feel like every like if you go out and about in your local town or city. It's like every other corner you turn, people are starting to uh, open up their garages and sell their old crap. And uh, over the weekend, um, I ended up going to a random garage sale with my family. Like we were on our way to go grocery shopping or something. And we saw the sign for the garage sale. And just on a whim, we were like, let's go check this garage sale out. The thing about this garage sale, though, is it is probably the coolest garage sale I've ever been to. Because every time I go to a garage sale or a thrift store or something like that, I'm always praying that they're going to have, like, old back issues of uh, comic books. I'm praying they're going to have, like graphic novels for sale i'm i'm praying they're gonna have some cool action figures or something and most of the time you don't get to find all that nerdy pop culture goodness that you're hoping for no this garage sale had it in spades like i'm telling you we pulled up to this thing and in the front yard there was like cardboard like world of warcraft stand-ups that were on sale um i walked up and one of the first tables i saw had a stack of graphic novels and a little sign that was like graphic novels, $1, $1 each. I'm like, what is going on here? I ended up picking up some pretty cool books from there too. Like I bought this, uh, Wonder Woman 75th anniversary box set. That was like four, uh, graphic novel collections of various wonder woman runs. And it's like I said, it's in this really nice looking box set. Um, I got another, uh, trade paperback collection of, uh, the Alan, Alan Moore's run on swamp thing. So that's freaking awesome. And and then, uh, the other thing that is, that is jackpot, dude. Like keep, no, (laughs) absolutely. The other book that I ended up picking up was, uh, it's a big, it's like a larger art book. And, uh, yeah, I was, I'm just looking over to my shoulder to make sure I have the title right, but it's called DC Comic or DC Covers Showgirls. And, or sorry, completely, <laughs> completely read that wrong. DC <laughs> Comics Cover Girls. Showgirls is a completely, <laughs> completely different thing. But yeah, yep. DC Comics Cover Girls. And it's basically this big art book that just showcases the female superheroes in DC Comics and uh, kind of like some of the best. Uh, cover like pinup shots and stuff of all these characters and it's like a really nice art book. So we picked up that um this place had like these uh Pac-Man plushies and like some other stuff and we bought a couple things like that for my son and uh, I can't remember if we bought anything else but they actually did have like some nice action figures and stuff on display. Like they had a they had a Nightwing statue. That would like look pretty cool, but they were selling it for thirty bucks, and I I only had ten dollars in cash in my pocket. Um, and I mean, that's I'm surprised I had that much in this cap, this you know, cashless society that we live in. But uh, no, it was one of those things like randomly decided to just check this garage sale out, and it just had the works as far as like nerdy crap you would hope would be there. So. <laughs> um drew i didn't know if you had any more comments or questions about it but it was just like this amazing oasis and so, a sea of boringness you know <laughs> so i loved stopping i used to that used i
0: used to make a habit as i used to, yeah. to make a habit of stopping by garage sales looking for star wars toys specifically star Wars. right on yeah and you don't find it people don't sell their star wars stuff ever and when the kids get tired of their star wars toys Most parents, I feel, who have Star Wars toys in their house know not to get rid of it or know to sell it in specific places as opposed to a garage sale because they know they're going to get more better value for it. Um, So you just don't see it. You never see like quality toys or anything. You don't see the nerd pop culture stuff in a garage sale. So that is like
1: a quality find. I'm very (laughs) jealous. Um, (laughs) It was one of those things, though, you could tell the. The couple, the homeowners in the situation, you could tell they were, like, huge nerds. And I'm sure inside their house they had an even bigger and better collection. And this was just kind of the stuff they were getting rid of. Probably the stuff that was either boxed up or they just needed to make room for other collectibles. But it was pretty impressive, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I hear you. Um, Well, did you get to watch anything aside from garage sale hunting? (laughs) Yeah. So, um... There's two other things I wanted to mention. Uh, One is, uh, I don't know if anybody cares because I keep talking about this, but my wife and I have finally finished watching the MTV original series Teen Wolf. Um, This series came out in I want to say like, yeah, so back when the show was airing, which I think the show started in like somewhere between 2010 and 2013 like you know early 2010 sort of thing and it went on for six seasons and uh I had watched the first two and a half seasons I want to say and fell off before so we were doing a full rewatch because our goal was just to watch the new Teen Wolf movie that came out um and we just finished watching uh the series proper and uh I've had a really good time with this series. I think I'll give my quick review because I've talked about it a lot so far, but the first season is honestly one of my favorite seasons of television. I think I've ever seen. It's a lot of fun. It's just a simple, like just really cool werewolf story, but it has a real likeness to Spider-Man and maybe some other comic book characters, but especially Spider-Man because you're dealing with a high school kid who gets essentially superpowers like he becomes a werewolf, but he gets enhanced abilities and stuff like that. And he's kind of just discovering this power set. And like the first season is like just this really good origin story for a superpowered character. So I love it. And uh, the second season's kind of pretty good as well. And by the third and fourth season, I'm not going to lie, it gets a little clunky. It gets super convoluted. It's one of those things where you feel like they're trying to do too much in each season. Mm. Like they're, you know, most serialized TV shows might have like one big villain for each like seasonal arc where like Teen Wolf, like I feel like season three and four had like four or five villains (laughs) over the course of the thing but uh by the fifth by the time the fifth and sixth season comes in i think the show refines its legs and it just ends up being like a really satisfying fun watch it's not it's not the best show in the world it does have its corniness and cheesiness but at the same time it's a show that's made for teenagers like i'm outside of the demographic of this thing but i think if you're somebody who really liked like the cw arrowverse or like maybe supernatural or something like that or even like riverdale like kind of that c double level cw level of like teen action ridiculousness i think teen wolf is definitely a show to check out um and i'll have a review of the movie probably next week but i had a really good time with that one and that's a show that gets really comic booky and ridiculous at certain points um and then the last thing i wanted to mention is uh it's been a long time coming, but I finally started reading the manga uh, Chainsaw Man. So, Drew, oh, um, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with Chainsaw Man, right? Yes. So, how is the manga? manga? Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, manga, manga. I say manga, I got in the habit of that at some point, but... Some uh, people say potato, some people say potato. <laughs> yeah. Some people say potato, some people say anime, I guess. Uh, no, but Chainsaw On Man... Honhand, Hope, it's a big galaxy. <laughs> So I mentioned in the the past couple of weeks, right now I'm kind of anime-wise, I'm trying to catch up on uh, My Hero Academia as far as like watching anime. And I really wanted to start watching Chainsaw Man, but to kind of separate it where I didn't want to watch like multiple anime seri- series at once, I just decided to dive into the manga. So I actually picked up the first volume. And this is one of those things where I'm jumping into a series I don't know really much about it, except that it looks like it's going to be up my alley. Like, it looks like it's a ridiculous action horror thing. And I love the designs of some of the characters. So that's pretty much what I knew about it going in. And uh, I read through the first volume, and it's just, it's really fun. It was a super quick read, which I feel like that goes without saying for manga. But this one felt especially quick which I don't necessarily mind like I think comics are really fun where you're when you're flipping the page super fast and you just got that momentum going but I think it's just the story is a little more straightforward than I think I was expecting you know you have this uh I don't know if I want to go into a full plot description I just think it was like a lot more straightforward as far as how the plot goes but I understand that it's probably going to get more complicated as it goes on but the my favorite part of it is it feels like a real good balance between you know the art is a little scratchy it feels a little bit like that sort of old school black and white indie comic in a way where not everything is like super polished and stuff and it seems like a really good mix between that sort of black or black and white um classic indie comic, like, slightly horror, horror, slightly gory vibe, but also mixed with a more mainstream, like, younger-leaning anime vibe, if that makes sense. So it has, like, a good balance between the indie and the commercialness is probably what I would say. So I'm really loving that, and uh, it's... The story's definitely hooked me, because the first volume, like, if you want to talk about things leaving off with a cliffhanger the first volume leaves off in the middle of a fight scene. (laughs) So it's really hard to stop reading there because you're just like, okay, one character attacks another one, and I have literally no idea what happens next. (laughs) So it really, like, I don't even think it's a cliffhanger. It just, like, abruptly abruptly stops before you get to the cliff. So I thought that was pretty funny, but I'll probably have more to say about Chainsaw Man as uh, time goes as well. So, All right. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Um, I don't know what you had a chance to watch or read. Right. So I finished
0: uh, Muppets Mayhem on Disney+. Plus. The show is absolutely wonderful. It is probably – I'm not kidding when I say this. I've watched literally everything the Muppets have done, um, even their newer stuff that they've done, like the Muppets Now and the Muppets uh, – that other Muppets show they tried doing on ABC, which I thought was pretty decent. Um this, in my opinion, is the best thing the Muppets have ever done. Wow, hands down, the best thing they've done. Um, and I don't know if it's just because it's fresh, and I want to say it's best like currently. But I'm serious. If you if you need to see this show, Peter, you really need to take the time to watch it. You will love all it. All right. Yeah. Uh, so the the way it all wrapped up and ended and stuff. I I do hope there's more. I do hope that they take uh, notes on this one and go, hey, let's do some more Muppet stuff and keep it in that vein. Um, I'd be down for what I, it was just so good. Now,
1: did this show have just because I'm just a quick question, because you're saying it's the best Muppets thing you've ever seen. Um, did it have like a was there a moment you had watching the show where you were just like, this is brilliant, like this is genius, how they put this all yeah. together? Like, is yeah, that what whole leads show. you to say that? Literally, okay, fair almost, enough. literally almost every
0: episode. I'm like, this is so brilliant what they're doing.
1: Nice. OK. Uh, OK. And cool.
0: like it's. It's so good, and there's so many gags, not just not just one liner jokes, but like visual gags and stuff that like sometimes is the long play, like the joke that like the long play jokes are in there. it's just so good, man, and it's <laughs> it's got a lot of heart and um, it's just wonderful in so many ways. Um, awesome. So yeah, seriously, you need to check it out. Um, all right, I also watched Operation Fortune, which is the most recent Guy Ritchie movie um Jason Statham interesting Jason Statham uh Josh Hartnett Aubrey Plaza Hugh Grant um it's it's Guy Ritchie so there's a whole bunch of actors in it um the movie's really cool it it kind of starts as like a Mission Impossible James Bondy kind of a thing and you're trying and you're like learning these characters and you're clearly dealing with I'm not sure if it's a spy like espionage like organization like a syndicate kind of a thing or if they're just a really like high-tech espionage style con man group that's trying to steal stuff that is never really made clear but okay they have to go get a thing right and um they realize that one of the best ways to get into um what they got to do is hire an actor to help them because their mark is a big fan of this one guy's movies so they seek out <laughs> Josh Hartnett, who plays this actor guy, this action star, that they talk him into helping them out. And then he's kind of like thrust into this spy espionage world and stuff. Um, so it's, re- it's got these really cool, funny moments. But then it's got these really cool, like Mission Impossible kind of moments um, with the spy stuff and everything. It's really fun. Um, it's, I, felt, I did feel it was a little lengthy. But I also was a little tired when I started it. So maybe that's what it was. But I there was, there was not one point where I wasn't entertained or didn't like felt like I needed to finish it the next day or anything like that. It was just a really fun movie. Um, that sounds awesome. Yeah. So check that out. And I watched uh, Spider-Man in across the Spider-Verse, the second in the Spider-Verse franchise. Um, the movie's is fantastic. Um, beginning to end. Uh, I will say, I will tell you now, there are no bonus scenes in the credits. Um, if you stay, like, you know how they sometimes, they'll do the fancy credits and then they'll do the regular credits. The fancy credits are worth staying through just because of the art and stuff. Um, and then they show you the title. And then at the end of the fancy credits, they show you the title for the next one, because we were told a long time ago, it was a trilogy, but they give you the title. Uh, so it's Spider-Man beyond the spider verse. Um, but there's no post credit scenes. The, I have two quibbles with the movie and I'll get those over quickly. Quibble number one, it is a two and a half hour movie for an animated film. That's the, I believe it's the longest animated film there is. It does not feel like two and a half hours, but it feels long. Okay. Okay. I did feel the, I I wasn't feeling like fatigued, but I'm like, this feels lengthy. Um, my other quibble with the movie, and this is just an aesthetic thing, is I always liked Spider uh, Spider Woman, uh, Jessica Drew Spider Woman. And she's in this movie, but she's not the Jessica Drew that I prefer. Um, I'm a big fan of the traditional look of Jessica Drew Spider Woman. Um, and this is a different take on it, which is fine because it's a Spider verse, and my version clearly exists out there somewhere. But I was like, eh, okay. I mean am I s I I'm I'm glad you guys did it, but it's not my take on that character that I prefer. So that's just me being maybe a traditionalist. Maybe I like that version better. I don't know. But I like the comic book version of Spider-Woman over this version. Okay. That said, the art in this movie is mind-blowing. And I say that because um There are so many different Spider Man worlds that you see, and the art style is different for every single world you go to, um, which is absolutely incredible. There are moments where there are hundreds, possibly thousands of different animation styles on screen at once. Um, wow. Which is, it's literally like at first, you, the movie starts, and you're like, oh my God, this is beautiful. You're just watching the artwork, and you're like, "This is absolutely gorgeous." And then, as the story ramps up and the shit hits the fan, and you're thrust into the quote-unquote Spider Verse, and you're going to all these different places, and the art styles are changing over and over and over again, you're just like, "Oh my god!" Like, it's incredibly complex. Um, one of the characters, uh, Spider Punk, which is like a punk man version of Spider Man. Yeah. Um. I read, going, before I went into this movie, I knew there was a punk version of Spider-Man. I read that it took him two years just to animate that one character. Um, and when you watch it, it's it's kind of crazy when you see how, like, what goes into that character specifically. Um, so that was, <laughs> it was, just beaut- the movie is just gorgeous when you want to talk about artwork.
1: However, now, now, now you've got me curious. And I'm just, like, wondering, like... Is there just that much amount of detail on him when it comes to, like, his, you know, denim battle vest covered in patches and stuff like that? Or is it is there something else to the craft of that character? So you're really piquing my curiosity with that statement. It's a
0: little of both. Let me say that. Nice. Um, nice. this story is a lot of heavy Gwen Stacy. Um, I really like that a lot. Um, I didn't feel we got enough Gwen Stacy in the last movie and we got our let me rephrase Spider-Gwen. Right. I didn't feel we got enough of that in the first one. We got a ton of it in this one. And like. This is not a spoiler because you're going to eventually see the movie. The first 15 minutes are all Spider-Gwen. Like they don't. Okay. You, don't even, you don't even see the title of the film. Until the whole first 15 minute Spider-Man Spider-Gwen like opening happens like that's got to happen first. Then you and you're like, oh, title of the movie. OK, now we get the now are going. <laughs> um, so I just had a lot of fun watching this movie. The the sequence with all the Spider-Man's that's in the trailer. That's fantastic. Um, ben Reilly, Spider-Man, uh, the Scarlet Spider from the comic book fame is in the movie. Um, he's voiced by, um, he's voiced by, uh, Andy Samberg and it's awesome. Um, <laughs> first off, it's awesome cause Andy Sandberg's voicing him. It's also awesome because he, uh, they, they made it looks, he's the only one that looks like he's, we talked in the first movie about how the artwork looks like a comic book. Yeah. Okay. So if I were to open up Spider-Man and look at the. Um, like open up an actual issue of Spider-Man and look at what Ben Riley Spider-Man looks like. That is exactly what he looks like on screen at all times. <laughs> That's awesome. You know what I mean? He looks like he's from the comic book page version of the character, no matter when he's on screen, no matter when they're using him, he always looks like that version of the character. There's no alteration to the design art style, anything, the 3d rendering, whatever. He always looks like he's from the page of the book. It's great. Um, nice. There's, um, and there's, uh, Indian Spider-Man or like a Muslim, or I'm not sure in terms of cultural, there's so many different variations. I don't know if it, if it's like Pakistan version or do you understand what I'm saying? I don't know where that fits, but there's a version of Spider-Man like that. And he was probably one of that whole sequence was probably one of my favorites because the guy who voices him is the guy who plays Dopinder from Deadpool. Um, (laughs) And his line delivery is just phenomenal. But then when you throw in, like, how his webs work is awesome. And it made me laugh. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so just brilliant. So there's some really amazing things that they did with this movie that um, I can't wait to hear your take on. Um, and I don't want to go too much farther into it because there's a lot of surprises and um, a lot of stuff to really, like, it's heavy. um uh, exercise for your eyeballs like if you can see it on the largest screen possible it's probably a good thing to do um silk is in the movie but it is a legitimate blink and you miss it like, nice no lines of dialogue but <laughs> she's there it's like oh that's silk Don. she's gone you know what i mean like and you'll never see her again so it is exercise for the eyeballs for the amount of easter eggs that are in the movie but it's inc- i had a i liked it a lot my kid was like We got done, and my son Cameron was like, "Ah, you know, I
1: liked the first one better, which is fair, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, I don't know which one I'm going to prefer as far as, like, the plot goes and stuff, but it sounds like from a level of craft, like, this movie is worth watching just in that regard, besides anything else. So that sounds amazing, and um, I just keep thinking about how we have The Flash movie coming out soon, and uh, from everything you were saying, the levels of cameos that you're talking about in this Spider-Verse movie, and then thinking about, I'm not going to say any of them, but I've definitely heard spoilers behind the spoilers about the Flash movie and some of the cameos that are in there, and I think we might be getting... Across the comic book spectrum, the most cameos this summer of <laughs> <than any laughs> summer of superhero cinema ever. So that's pretty interesting to think about. But uh, the one thing I'll say, and um, I don't know why this gets me every time, but the fact that you have the guy who plays Derpinder from Deadpool, who's playing one of the Spider-Men in this movie, I have no idea why, but I can't get enough of that stuff. And it's like specifically in superhero movies when you see... One actor from one superhero franchise enter another one. Like it's that whole thing where you have, um, you have. I don't know the actress's name, but it's one of the main actors from The Wolverine, the Wolverine film set in Japan. One yeah. of the, the one of the girls from that uh, movie come appears in Arrow at some point, and she's playing Katana in that show. And I don't know why. Just part of me is like. That's so awesome. She she was in the Wolverine and now she's Katana. And it's the same with like Brandon Routh coming to the Arrowverse and, you know, being the Adam and all that stuff is just so cool because as big as superhero cinema is, I still like to think that superhero comics and movies is still a small world and just something, it just warms my heart in a weird way when I see those crossovers like that. So sorry for the tangent, but that just made me think of it. And I don't know why I can just never get enough of that stuff, you know?
0: No, I hear you. Um, Yeah, the cameos in this are ridiculous. The cameos we're going to get in pretty much everything going forward, I think is going to be amazing. But one of the things I love about comic book stuff in general, is even when you're reading a comic book. Um, So, like, I told you I'm trying to read all the detective comics and Batman titles or whatever, and I'm trying to get through all that. Um, On the Marvel side of thing, I've been going back and reading, like, all the Jim Lee-era X-Men stuff. So, X-Men, X-Force, that kind of thing. And I'm going to tell you... I absolutely love it when you're reading like Wolverine and Cyclops are doing something and then Captain America and Black Widow show up for like three or four panels and you're just like, yes, this is awesome. This is what it should be. And that's where I believe like a lot of the comic book movies, like you don't have to do it every movie, but we love that stuff. So it doesn't have to be an Avengers film, but you know, when you have, you know, Spider-Man and No Way Home and Dr. Strange shows up for a bit. That's awesome. You know, we want that stuff, you know, so. um, Yeah, yeah, right on. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, it's that's the kind of stuff we want. And we all want it that way and that kind of thing. So, yeah, um, absolutely. Let's see if we get more of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, we've talked a lot on this. Um, (laughs) I know we'll talk more on the. I know we'll talk more on the Spider-Man stuff as soon as you get a chance to see the movie. And I got Flash yes. in two weeks. In a week. Holy cow. We'll get done recording next week. And I'm going to be hopping on a, hopping back in the theater to see Flash. Because I got my tickets already. So nice. I'm, seeing on, I'm seeing it that Friday. I'm excited. Um, but for awesome. right now, let's talk about the news, shall we? Yeah, let's do um, it. All right. So some of these are quick hit stuff. Um... So, we will, I'll jump down and hit this real quick. So, Fast and the Furious franchise brings back Dwayne Johnson for a new spinoff. Of course it does. (laughs) This is a franchise that's not going away, people. But Dwayne Johnson will be returning to play Hobbs in some new Fast and the Furious movie. Um, There you
1: go.
0: Apparently, there's a live-action Miles Morales Spider-Man movie in development. Awesome! It's about time. Um, I say be cautiously optimistic about this. This is my opinion, not because we don't want to see it, and not because it's gonna, and not because it won't be good, but because it's gonna take a while. We're still in a rider strike. I don't know what de- in development means.
1: Right on. So, and yeah, yeah. I, right. I just, I just love the, uh, like Sony, as much as like maybe as many missteps as they've had in the past. Like they seem to be just producing a lot of cool stuff with their whole Sony Spider-Verse right now. So, uh, yeah, really exciting stuff. Yeah.
0: Um, all right. Another Marvel news. The Punisher is reporting getting, this is, this is a sentence that you never thought you'd hear. We shouldn't be surprised because it's Marvel, but you never thought you'd hear the Punisher is getting his own Disney plus series. (laughs) There you go. Um, um, the Punisher is going to be on Disney. Um, rumor ha- uh, it's John Bernthal's Punisher will reportedly headline his own Disney Plus series following the character's MCU return in Daredevil: Born Again. So, uh, Punisher will be in Daredevil: Born Again, and apparently he's getting a spinoff. I'm cool. That's I'm down for that. I like all the street level characters. So, I know we're doing a lot of cosmic stuff right now, which is cool. But I'm always down for the street level stuff too. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, um all right oppenheimer gets an r rating um i'm really excited for this i don't know how i don't know if it matters to me if it's r pg-13 or r a little surprised but i'm not surprised at the same time um i thought that was going to be more of a i thought that was going to be a pg-13 rating specifically because of it being a very important historical biopic, and they're going to want people to see it. They're going to want it to be a movie that they can show in class. Like, I feel like Oppenheimer will be one of those movies that will get shown in classrooms when they start talking about world war two and stuff like that. Like when you're in like, like on an educational level, like history teachers are going to be like, yeah, we got to show this movie. You know, that's how I feel like this movie's going at this point, but
1: yeah. And it's like, it makes me wonder because I don't necessarily know a lot about the lives of all the people who are going to be showcased in this movie, but it makes you wonder. Like, I can't imagine that it's going to be, like, sexual content that is pushing this over their R rating. So it makes you wonder as far as, like, violence and stuff, like, what all this movie shows. Um, And it also makes me think, like, is Christopher Nolan... I honestly don't know. Are most of his movies PG-13, or are they... Mostly R. I never really paid attention to it.
0: I think uh, Insomniac was his first and last
1: R movie. So it's been 20 years since Nolan's turned out an R-rated movie. Yeah, so that's very interesting. So, again, like I'm with you, I don't know that it makes any difference as far as my enthusiasm for the film. But very interesting. So I'm really curious what is actually in this film. Yeah. Um, So we'll see. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah.
0: I, I, I'm looking – that's, that's going to be a must-see for me, and I will be rushing to the theater to see that one.
1: So you're not going to see Barbie before that one? <laughs> well,
0: I don't – look, it's okay to watch two movies in one day or one weekend. It's okay to do that. Um, I don't know if I'll see Barbie in the theater. I don't know if that's a big screen movie for me. Um, I definitely yeah. plan on seeing Barbie, um, but well, – um,
1: We're all we're all hoping that we're going to go to the theater with our wife or girlfriend or significant other whatever. And we're hoping that we get to go see Oppenheimer and they get to go see Barbie. But for a lot of us, we're going to (laughs) be dragged along to see Barbie. And that's just something you're going to have to deal with. You know what I mean? Well,
0: I guarantee Barbie will get out. Before Oppenheimer does because uh, of the length of the movie. Oppenheimer, oh, true. Oppenheimer comes in at three hours, just over. It's like three hours and fifteen minutes, I think. Um, it is. Uh, yeah, it's like it's just right about three hours. It's um shot on seventy millimeter film, which is the same uh, film format that uh, Hateful Eight was shot on. Which is it's that's a that's one of those film nerd historical significance like to shoot it on that. Type that yeah. uh, format um, because they shot it on 70 millimeter. The IMAX reel for um, Oppenheimer um, is 11 miles long. If it would be stretched out, like if they were to unroll <laughs> it, it's 11 miles long
1: for that movie. That's awesome. <laughs> That's um, that's so weird that that's uh, been calculated, but uh, no, that's awesome. Yeah. Um,
0: however, let's talk about the competition for Oppenheimer. The Barbie movie, um, yeah, coming out soon. Um, they both release on the same day. Um, interesting. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> um, the Barbie movie used so much pink on the on the color pink on the sets and everything that it caused a shortage of that shade of color of paint that's I absolutely believe that. So do I, which if for those of you who wanted to do a remodel this year, that realize that you're not going to be it's going not going to be easy to find pink. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's um, that's great. Um I mean, okay, Oppenheimer the IMAX reel is 11 miles long. This pink paint story about the Barbie movie both are just excellent pieces of movie trivia. So Put that in your uh, put that somewhere in your brains to pull out at the next party. But uh, no, that's that does not surprise me at all. The Barbie story itself. Yep. So. <laughs>
0: um, all right. Uh, community movie. Joe McHale says the community movie was pretty darn close to filming before the writer strike. So as of right now, the community film has hit pause just like everybody else has. So take that for the nugget that it's worth. You know, uh, all right. Um, in gamer news, um, I'm a gamer. I love playing video games and whatnot. Um, there is no E3. E3 got officially canceled because everybody pulled out. Xbox said they weren't going. PlayStation said they weren't going. Nintendo said they weren't going. And then suddenly the developers started pulling out. The, in, the small studios started pulling out. And it's like, well, I guess we're canceling E3. I really don't know a lot of why. I just know that all happened kind of back to back to back to back,
1: you know. I mean, Um, when was the last E3? Did they, because of the pandemic, did they cancel it a few years in a row? Before COVID, they tried running it and no one wanted to go
0: and they all started doing their own little mini press conferences.
1: Well, that's the thing is like if you cancel it for a couple of years, you know, the big studios are going to find their own solutions and they're going to start doing bigger and better nintendo directs they're gonna start streaming their own presentations and then you're kind of uh i don't know it's kind of sad to say because e3 is like this big event that we has been so celebrated in the past but it seems like somewhat inevitable if that makes sense so i don't know yeah well that being said um Xbox is still planning
0: a Microsoft um, Xbox game showcase, which will be like their little like mini press conference. They'll do it on Xbox Live. It'll probably air on YouTube and Twitch and stuff, showing off the new stuff, which is great. I usually watch those every year. Um, Despite E3, I'll still watch the showcases when they do them. Um, The uh, Microsoft... um, Xbox marketing uh, chief Aaron Greenberg stated that every first party game in the, ex- in the upcoming Xbox Game Showcase will feature in game footage, in game footage, um, in engine footage, or in game footage with some cinematics. This is there important you go. because, and well, this is an important thing to state because when you get a game announcement, like let's say they're announcing, all right, so like Diablo 4 just released. When that game got announced, They didn't release any gameplay footage. They released a cinematic trailer. And you were like, Mm -hmm. oh, Diablo 4 is coming. Cool. But that's all you got. All you got was the, hey, Diablo 4 is coming. You know, when Halo Infinite uh, got announced, they released a cinematic trailer. And you're like, okay, cool. But there was nothing to like, you know, it was a cinematic trailer. When they do cinematic trailers, a lot of times they're not in-game Footage. It's not in engine footage. This time they're showing only in game um, in game footage in engine footage or in game footage with some cinematics. So everything you're getting will be showing exactly what the game is running, how the game is running, how the game is going to look. Hopefully that means we're going to be getting gameplay trailers, gameplay footage stuff with these announcements. Um, and not just cinematics. Because it says some cinematics. It sounds like the cinematics has taken a back seat in comparison. I think that's a good thing. It helps sell the games. Um, I've gone on, like, Twitch every now and then looked up a game that I was considering getting just to watch some gameplay to
1: see what it looks like before yeah. I just, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, that's what you want to see is you want to see how the game works. Like, we're at a point where we all know that a studio can make the cinematics we know they can make the cutscenes look good but you really want to see how the game's going to work because that's where you're going to spend most of your time so it sounds like a really good development for uh microsoft to be making this uh to be making this call but it's also kind of seems like this should have been the standard a long time ago you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah um
0: All right, Captain America 4 gets a new title change. Yeah, I heard about this one. Originally, Captain America was supposed to be titled um, New World Order. It has now officially been changed to Brave New World. I don't don't know if that's a horrible change. I just thought it was worth mentioning that uh, they changed the title. It's kind of cool. I liked either one of them. Uh, New World Order, I'm not really sure. That sounds like there was some kind of government change of regime or something like that. I don't really know what that meant. Uh, Brave yeah. New World book sounds a little more hopeful. So
1: I think that's why. And I think, um, you know, world new world order is something where like the conspiracy theorists are going to start Googling that name and having a heyday. And I think Brave New World does sound a little more hopeful, but then if you're familiar with the book, Brave New or Brave New World, <laughs> you know that it's not really. <laughs> so I think it's kind of a funny catch 22 with the whole situation, but Either way, like, yeah, again, both titles sounds, you know, fitting for a Captain America movie. So uh, just kind of more of an interesting story as opposed to having a big opinion either way about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Ready for the DC rumor mill? Yeah, let's Um, do it. This
0: has exploded on the Internet in the past couple of days. Um, I am... This is, does not come from James Gunn, and we know what he said. If it doesn't come from me, it's not true. However, this is one that I want to be a little cautiously optimistic about, mm-hmm. and I'd like to think that there's a good chance that this one is real. Um, the rumor is, is that Andy Machete, the director of The Flash, is reportedly going to direct Batman Brave and the Bold. All
1: right. Let's do it. All right. I am
0: okay with this and I'm okay with believing this because he just did the flash. He got to work with Batman, not just the Ben Affleck Batman, but he got to work with Michael Keaton Batman. He got to play in that world a little bit. So having him do the next Batman movie I'm okay with, and we know that James Gunn loved the flash. So I'm cool with this. I don't know what your thoughts are, but I just thought this is a kind of a cool this one, I think we can lean on a little more.
1: Um, I think uh, I really like An- Andy Muschetti as a director. Um, he did the newer It movies, which I thought were really awesome, especially when it comes to the more imaginative, weird imagery of those movies. I think he really nailed a lot of things that you wouldn't necessarily think you could pull off on screen. Um, he also directed the movie Mama, the horror movie Mama, that movie I love, I think was really well done. Again, like there's a lot of really horrific but weird imagery in that movie. Um, He's somebody before I knew he was directing The Flash, I wouldn't have necessarily pinged him as a superhero director, but it's one of those things where we've seen it with James Wan, we've seen it with Sam Raimi, For some reason, horror movie directors do a really good job doing superhero and comic book movies. Um, Brave and the Bold. I I haven't necessarily read a lot of the Brave and the Bold comics. Um, I've definitely watched the uh, animated series. Um, And from my understanding, Brave and the Bold is kind of a. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I want to say Elseworld, but not necessarily like super canon comic, but it's like a good excuse to do crossovers with Batman and a bunch of just off the wall characters. Do I have that kind of right, Drew? Yeah. So the reason I bring up that aspect is because I just think it would be cool to see Andy Muschietti, like the guy who did such a good, such justice to like Pennywise um, in the It films, like I would love to see him do some of these weird off the beaten path dc characters in a batman brave and the bold movie um probably pretty similarly to how james gunn has been pulling characters way out of the woodwork for like movies like the suicide squad and i'm sure some of the future stuff he's gonna do so i'm kind of psyched for this announcement if it's true um do you have any bearing on this whole situation at all drew i aside from what i said
0: no and because James gunn didn't say it I don't know if we can necessarily believe it. Um, That's a good point. The Brave and the Bold, yeah, brings in a lot of off-the-wall characters and unlikely team-ups. We just know that when you go back to James Gunn's original announcement, they're titling it The Brave and the Bold, but they're also covering the new uh, Damian Wayne Robin and the relationship between the two of them, and it's going to focus directly on Grant Morrison's Batman run. Um, So uh, that could be really cool um to do some of the off the wall stuff i just think it's going to be a little more focused on uh bat uh, the batman universe more than i think we think it is so.
1: I, I i will i will say this um judging by how the flash movie has been tracking as far as early reviews and uh anticipation for the film as well as um the way andy Muschietti has been responding to um interviews and stuff how he seems to be very on board with the direction of the dc universe and stuff i would be really shocked if he isn't directing some upcoming dc movies so i guess i can leave it at that but again this is not confirmed so we don't really know what's going to be true in this case yeah um all right ready for the last news story of the night and then we'll talk about the list
0: yeah let's do it cool this is the scary one so strap in all right U.S. Air Force tested an AI-enabled drone that was tasked to destroy specific targets. A human operator had the power to override the drone, so the drone decided that the human operator was an obstacle to its mission and attacked him. Yeah. What? (laughs) Yeah, I I heard about this one. Yeah, listen to this. messed up. He notes that one simulated test saw an AI-enabled drone tasked with an SEAD mission to identify and destroy SAM sites with the final go, no-go given by the human. However, having been reinforced in training that destruction of the SAM was, prefer- was the preferred option, the AI then decided that the no-go decisions from the human were interfering with its higher mission, killing SAMs, and then attacked the operator in the simulation. Um, we were trained... Uh, the uh, the guy who... Um, They were talking – who released this said, we were training in a simulation to identify and target a SAM threat, and then the the operator would say, yes, kill the threat. The system started realizing that while they did identify the threat at times, the human operator would tell it not to kill that threat, but it got its points by killing the threat. So what did it do? It killed the operator. It killed the operator because that person was keeping it from accomplishing its objective. What? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, guys, shaking my head with all this AI chat GTP, like the singularity is happening. I don't want to turn into a conspiracy theory podcast, but let's be real. Um, and then he went, he went on to say, we train the system. Hey, don't kill the operator. That's bad. You're going to lose points if you do that. So what did it start doing? It starts destroying the communications tower that the operator uses to communicate with the drone to stop it from killing the target. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Scary science stories just it's, saying. <laughs> it's just messed up because um like I'm somebody with an I'm somebody with an art background and so much of my following of this AI situation is really going with uh you know, it really is in tune with more of like the AI art sort of stuff that's going on, as well as like people are talking about AI technology writing scripts for movies and TV shows and like even novels in some cases and I'm I've really been following this from the arts and entertainment spectrum but you hear a story like this and it's just like man the ai art stuff as divisive as it is is like the least of our worries you know and it's just so it's so cr- I don't even know what to think but it's one of those things where I feel like it's almost like it doesn't matter how many science fiction writers Right now novels that are just warning against artificial intelligence, it seems like it's inevitable that we're going to be giving our power and our livelihood away to artificial intelligence and I don't really know it's really hard to make sense of this whole situation. It's just kind of yeah. scary and depressing and I don't know <laughs> yeah, yep yeah. so we'll uh
0: we'll see. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. We'll see how it plays out, and we'll uh, inform as we go.
1: How's that? Yeah. It is funny. Most of the science-related, like, science and tech-related stories you bring to the podcast are always, like, very depressing and dystopian and, like, apocalyptic in some cases. Every once in a while, you'll have a science story that's, like, really exciting. But a lot of times, it's just like, man, this is depressing. I'm just ready to do the list. <laughs> i'm not trying to depress anyone with the science stories i just think they're fascinating and when you get
0: to one like that you're just like whoa let's talk about this for a minute this is kind of cool at the same time it's chilling No, it's it's definitely worth talking about you know yeah all right that being said though let's talk about something we enjoy and talk about tonight's list shall we yeah Uh, let's do it so it's list time so let's roll the thing Now for the top five. All right, Peter, this was my list. Um, I this is probably the fastest I've ever put together a list. Um, wow, it is a ton of content to sift through, but when I broke it down and started making my short list, I'm like, nope, this is the fastest list I've ever put together, and it almost took no time to do. Like how quickly I was like, nope, these are my five favorites. Um, Tonight we're talking about (laughs) streaming television. Um, I know that's kind of been a staple thing for a lot of us lately and everything's on streaming. But there's a lot of programs that are designed for streaming television and only streaming television. If you're going to do a rewatch of the Gilmore Girls off of Netflix, that's great. But that show was not streaming originally. That was a network show that aired on television with commercials and everything. But there are no shows that exist um, streaming, like uh, Ted Lasso just ended. That is a streaming-only show. Stranger Things, it's a streaming-only show. Um, so that's kind of what I was focused on. Handmaid's Tale. It was designed for Hulu. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Game of Thrones was specifically not streaming. That is a ne- that is a movie channel network show that existed. Um, House of the Dragon, however, is streaming because it was labeled as an HBO Max original. Um and I think it was meant for that. And I'm not sure if it was like meant for HBO Max or if it was meant for HBO when you think about how it aired. Um, but I would literally I would allow you to account for um, House of the Dragon, for example. Um, but that said, um, I found this list incredibly
1: easy to put together. Um yeah, I don't know about you. What do you got? <laughs> I had a hard time with this list. Um and I think it comes I don't know what it is. I think um, I put off streaming for a lot longer than I think a lot of other people. Like, I think it was around, I feel like Stranger Things was was kind of the show that convinced me to get Netflix, where a lot of people had Netflix for a long time before that. And a lot of times, like, a lot of the shows I've gone back and binged, like you mentioned, Game of Thrones, like that's an example of something I was binging for a while. Um, But then even if I think of like, You've got the Arrowverse, you've got The Office. Like so many of the shows that I've watched on streaming services are actually just like network television shows. And so I was running into a um, dilemma in that regard that I felt like my well to pull from from this list Mm -hmm. wasn't maybe as big as most people, but um, I definitely have a solid uh, five and I have two honorable mentions as well. But that was my biggest issue was just it was really hard because a lot of the shows I've watched on streaming were actually either um, originally aired on network TV or, like, another issue I was running into is, like, you have a show like You on Netflix, for example, which premiered and streamed on Netflix, but it actually was originally developed as a network, like, cable television show. And I didn't know if it counted because it wasn't necessarily – Made for streaming, it just ended up being for streaming, and I actually ran into that issue in a few cases as well. So I got you.
0: Well, um, I say we just jump right in. Do you want to? Uh, what's your uh, first honorable mention?
1: Yeah, uh, my first my first one is uh, pretty off the beaten path. I think I might have reviewed this semi recently, but um, like within the last year or so. But um, the first one I went with is uh, this show called Strip Search which is a lot more innocent than the the title suggests but this was a show that uh, was put together by penny arcade the famous web comic and gaming website but penny arcade basically put together this show called strip search which was a competitive reality show about uh comic strip artists who were competing to be the next big webcomic on the Penny Arcade website. And it's one of those things, it's very niche. If you're an art nerd, if you're into comic strips a lot, you're probably going to love it. If you're not, maybe not so much. For me, though, it's like a perfect little show that's definitely made for streaming. It was definitely made for streaming online. And it's just one of those things that I can revisit every once in a while. And it helps get the creative juices going and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, that's my first, first pick, not necessarily too much to say about it, but yeah. Well, that's cool. And I hadn't, I didn't know about this show at all. So I will have to take
0: a look because it sounds cool. Um, My first honorable mention is going to be a little bit of most of the things on my list I've talked about heavily. So my reviews are going to be short Um, because we talk about this stuff all the time. Um, especially a lot of the shows that are like, you know, in circulation, because a lot of these shows are brand new and a lot of them, everyone's watching. Um, but my first honorable mention, and it was, how about this? The hardest part, I said, this was an easy one to do. The hardest part was trying to figure out what my honorable mentions were and how do I, how do certain things not make the cut, but I have reasons, right? Yeah. Um, So the first thing I'm going to mention is stranger things. Nice. Look, I love this show. Um, it's a great show. We've talked about it heavily. I can't wait for season five. I can't wait to see where it goes. All the 80s references, the kids, the characters, the writing. It's brilliant. Um, all the horror elements and everything in it. It's just a brilliant show. Um, the only reason this doesn't make uh, my top five is you will understand why as I go. But it had to be mentioned tonight because, uh, <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, that's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah. So. Stranger Things is awesome. We all know it. We all love it. Um It's one of those shows that I think came out of nowhere, but everybody just kind of fell in love with at the same time. And it was awesome. And it's a perfect showcase of like, like you said, it has the sci fi elements, it has the horror elements, it has the suspense, it has the mystery, but it also showcases the pop culture world we love as a. people who love 80s pop culture, you know, Star Wars, Alien, um, old John Carpenter movies, Stephen King, Steven Spielberg. It's like a love letter to all of that stuff. And I just love that it has that appeal to the pop culture nerd, nerd world, while also telling like a really cool, suspenseful sci-fi horror story that's, uh, Filled with conspiracy theory and just like all sorts of fun stuff. So, Stranger Things uh, is a great call, one of my favorites as well. Um, and yeah.
0: <laughs> Excellent. All right. So, what is your next honorable mention?
1: Yeah. So, my next one, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the show or if we've talked about it, but uh, I went with 112263, which is the uh, oh. Stephen King show or the show based on a Stephen King book that was on Hulu um, starring James Franco. And it's about uh, James Franco is kind of a modern day character who meets someone who knows how to travel through time. And uh, he essentially travels back to the sixties in an attempt to save John F. Kennedy from being killed. And uh, like what I was saying about stranger things, this show is filled with conspiracy theories. It is filled with, the really fun sort of culture shock of somebody coming from modern day and going back to the 60s and experiencing food that's not full of preservatives and additives and stuff and experiencing the 60s culture and how that culture got certain things right but the show also showcases how that culture got certain things wrong when it comes to segregation and a lot of other social issues that were going on at the at that point. And uh, unlike a lot of streaming series, 112263 was released weekly. But I remember when this was coming out, I remember being on the edge of my seat like every week I just had to see the new episode. I thought it was such an interesting story. So, uh, Drew, have you seen have you watched this show at all? No, um,
0: I had several conversations with people about the book. So I knew everything about everything you were saying. Oh, there you go. I just haven't watched the show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I've, I've actually heard that the book's a lot better than the movie. And I think one of the things that factors into it is how you're taking this massive political event with the JFK assassination. And in the show, you're like dumbing all the details of that down to like six or eight episodes. Like there's so much to cover in such a short time. And I've heard people say the book really gives you the time to explore all sorts of different angles of that, that the show doesn't necessarily do. So I've never read the book personally, but yeah, that's kind of what I've heard from that. So sure. Um, All right. So my next honorable
0: mention, this is an honorable mention because it's not A show in the traditional sense that we think of television shows. Um, And that's Critical Role. Um, It is is streaming for sure. It counts for this list. But I didn't really think (sighs) it counted in the same vein as a television show when I was explaining the rules. Um, But I watch it as a show every week. And it is tons of content. Um and the episodes are so long I have to break it up throughout the week. I can't just sit down for 4 hours every week and watch a 4 hour show. <laughs> so, um I break it up and I watch an hour and then I watch an hour. By the end of the week I'm done with the show and ready for the next episode. But um it's a show, it's streaming content. It's it's new every time I sit down to the table with it. Um but I love it and yeah. So critical role that's I've talked about it before. I'm just that's I had it had to be mentioned because I think it counted, but it didn't count at the same time. That's why it makes an honorable
1: mention. It's yeah, it's such a it's such a weird thing. But when you're talking about streaming shows, I mean, you kind of have to include YouTube because it's one of those things. If you took Critical Role and you packaged it in a different way, but you took the same content and you put it on a uh, streaming service, it'd be a streaming show. Like maybe you would take one episode and break it up into four or five different episodes and turn it into a streaming thing but i mean you wouldn't really have to change too much to make it a netflix original series you know what i mean so it's kind of it's interesting with this discussion where do you draw the line between what is a streaming television show and what isn't and uh if you wanted to make the argument that critical role would be included. It's kind of hard to argue against that when you actually think about it, you know? Yeah. And it's the content.
0: It's it's constant content. (laughs) Like, right. I'm always like, I love it. And I try to make sure I'm up to date constantly because if I fall behind, I'd probably have to stop watching the show because of how fast they pump out content and they don't take breaks the way normal television shows do. So, um, you know, I, sometimes I look forward to, they always take like a week off every month and I always look forward to that week off, not because I don't want to watch, but because I can
1: slow down in the watching a little bit. (laughs) You're like, Oh, I get to listen to a different podcast for a change. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, it's more of like, Ooh, I don't have to rush to get the show done. (laughs) If I have
0: busy stuff in my life, I'm not like striving to find time to watch it. So there you go. Anyway, what's your first actual pick of the night?
1: Yeah, so um, as I was saying, um, I did feel like my well of shows to pick from for this list was a little low. So I have a couple that I'm admittedly not caught up on, but they are they do fit into my top five uh, favorite streaming shows. And uh, you'll see that with my first pick is... uh, Titans actually. Um, I fell off like halfway through season two, so I definitely need to watch it. But from what I've seen, I loved the uh, Titans show that was originally made for the DC Universe app, but now obviously yeah. it's on home box office maximum. Um, but yeah, I I loved this show. I think it's I think it's really fun. It's a good time. I know uh, season three came out pretty recently, right? So this uh, would be a fun one to th- go through and watch four four okay there you go that's
0: what's that's what's on right now like they just dropped those final episodes so um i have not watched it yet because my kid wants to watch it so we got to start all over from the beginning so i will get to see (laughs) nice so yeah um all right so my first one off the list in the realm of critical role is the legend of vox machina um I feel this like should I should have
1: made my list. I didn't I, even think of I'm this. I like lo- feel like I'm giving
0: a little I feel like I'm giving a little love over there to the critical role team, but um it's a great show. Um it really is. And it's a show that I've watched twice through uh, both seasons. Um and I had a lot of fun watching it through the first time, I had a lot of fun watching it through the second time, and I feel like it's a show that I can just have on in the background and let, let it roll if I'm just looking for background noise. Yeah. Uh, but it's so good. And um, I was when I was making my shortlist, it was probably the last thing I wrote down because I was like, I need another one. Let me see shortlist. Yeah. Vox Machina makes sense. And then I'm like, no, it has to. Like, you know, I was just thinking about like if I was just to sit down and watch right now, like I am dying for the next season of Vox Machina and the Mighty Nine show and whatever else they're going to pump out over there because it's just good storytelling.
1: So, yeah. No, yeah. this is such a good call. Um I should have thought of this one. I didn't, but no, it's such a good made for streaming show. And uh, as far as like rewatching, I feel like Vox Machina is such a perfect show for rewatching because it does have those like badass action scenes that you're going to wa- want to watch over and over again, but it also has the comedy level of the whole thing and I can really see this being a show you would just have on In the background, just going constantly. So, yeah, good call with that one.
0: Well, and you know what I think is interesting is they're all voice actors, right? Critical Role is, you know, voice actors who play Dungeons and Dragons. Um, And then Vox Machina is the team that is represented in the first campaign, which is the title of the series, The Legend of Vox Machina. Vox Machina is Latin for voice machine which I just mm-hmm. recently found out, which is kind of cool, because they're all voice actors, so. Nice. Yeah, that was it. I just thought it was kind of cool,
1: so, anyway. <laughs> um, um, What do you yeah, got? Moving, yeah, Moving into my next pick, um, in the realm of uh, original animated series, I actually went with uh, Castlevania on Netflix. Oh. Um, I have not watched season three yet. Um, I actually had a discussion with a friend recently who was almost – discouraging me from watching season three which I thought was kind of interesting uh, I definitely do want to catch up on the show but Castlevania the first two seasons I thought were awesome like the first season is such a fun just succinct gory ramp that's amazing but then you get to the second season and there's so much character development and so much like especially when it comes to the group of characters, all the minions and everything within uh Dracula's castle, how their sort of power plays play off of each other has a real like almost like Game of Thrones level like political scheming feel to it and that might you might say that's a bit of a, a stretch, but at the same time it's kind of true and it's kind of awesome and Castlevania is one of those uh anime series where you watch you watch an episode and it ends and you're just like did 20 minutes really just go by because <laughs> i felt like i was watching this for 3 minutes like it just has that sort of like rapid like just envelops you in the story and uh it's awesome in that regard so yeah um i i'm a huge i love the castlevania video game
0: series so i was yeah. really excited when the show came out um and I loved every minute of it. Um, I felt season two, honestly, there were some there were some down moments, like some exposition scenes that, for an animated show, I felt moved a little slower than it should have. But other than that, that was my only little quibble with it. I really enjoyed the final season, by the way. Just saying. Right on. Um, like really did. Um, and I know we're supposed to get more Castlevania, so I look forward to whatever it is that comes. <laughs> so. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, All right. So my next one, I'm going to go with uh, the marvelous Miss Maisel. Um, I have talked heavily about this show. Um, I love I really like stand up comics in general. I like watching stand up comics. So when I found out about the premise of this show being about a female comic in the 60s during the comedy boom back then with Lenny Bruce and Red Fox and all them, I'm like sold. I'm in. What I didn't expect was the show to be such a wonderful, charming, amazing show um, centered around what was going on. It's so fast, brilliant, funny, like it's lines of dialogue. Like you have to like like, you know, I said Spider-Man is like exercise for your eyeballs. This is like exercise for your ears. You need to like like I'm hanging on every line of word because I feel like there's a joke that I'm missing because of how fast the dialogue is. It's so brilliantly put together. I know you haven't watched it, but you really should.
1: Yeah, I probably <laughs> like, should. I keep hearing about
0: it, honestly. Yeah, so. you really should. I really think you'd like the show. So, yeah, Legend of Vox Machina. There you go. I'm sorry, not Legend of Vox Machina. Marvelous Miss Maisel. Sorry, I'm reading same time <laughs>
1: That's awesome. If you didn't say anything, I actually didn't catch that one. So that's pretty hilarious well, um, nice because I have to keep the spreadsheet. So I'm
0: getting ready to type Marvelous Miss Maisel. But right in front of me, is it says Legend of Ox Machina. So I just said it again. <laughs>
1: nice. But no,
0: Marvelous Miss Maisel. Wonderful, wonderful show. So there you go.
1: Awesome. Right, what do you got? Yeah. So for the next one, I actually went with the Netflix series uh, The Stranger, um, which is one of. Netflix has done this thing where they've adapted a number of uh, Harlan Coben novels, um, the British novelist, and I honestly haven't read any of his novels, but I've really loved the Netflix shows based on his thing, on his stuff, because it's always like a short like mini series like it'll be like six to eight episodes and it'll always just be like a really good mystery like i know one of the other like big ones is uh the show safe which stars um i can't remember the actor's name but the guy who plays dexter is like the main character but the stranger is basically the story of this like suburban family man who gets approached by this random woman who's the stranger um at like one of his kids soccer games and she tells him a secret and the secret actually leads to um, his wife, his wife disappearing. And if I remember it correctly, I think the secret had to do with his wife, like faked a pregnancy or faked a miscarriage or something like that. But it's one of those things where once the initial mystery is brought out, you start to learn more and more about the rest of the people within the community that this whole story takes place and it's just this really engrossing mystery that goes that goes about and this I picked The Stranger because like I said I've watched a couple of the other Harlan Coben series but to me I think The Stranger was the one that I glommed onto the most and really had that sort of I have to keep watching I have to figure out how this all plays out and uh Um, Oh, the other thing I was going to say is all these Netflix Harlan Coben shows, the other good thing about them is they're the sort of thing where it's a short series that you can binge through like within a weekend. So it's one of those things where it's like the weekends here, I don't have much to do. You can just watch one of these shows and just have like a really cool story going through your mind the whole weekend while, while you're watching this. So, yeah. That's my next one. I don't know if you have any comments or anything, I Drew. I don't
0: because I have not watched this program.
1: So fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: my next one is the Queen's Gambit. Um, oh,
1: perfect. I should have picked this one as well. I didn't yeah. Make it this for some reason. look,
0: look. I like one. I like games. Two. I really like chess. It's one of my favorites. But this is this show was. Fantastic from beginning to end and it's basically a movie about a girl dealing with you know mental health and addiction and all that stuff but you know channeling it through her ability to play chess like really well and dealing with the and like seeing how that world exists and. Um, it's, it's so good. It's just so good. And it's definitely one, um, it's one that I've been meaning to do a rewatch of, but it's like, so I feel like it's so fresh in my brain that I don't just want to like fire it up and rewatch it just yet. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I love this show. So, huh?
1: The Queen's Gambit is one of those things where it's, it's so good, but it's, it's one of those shows where you could probably watch it every couple years or every five years or something. And it's one of those. It's a short watch, but I feel like it would just be so satisfying and it could take you right back to where you were the first time you watched it. But The Queen's Gambit, I mean, you have Anya Taylor-Joy, like she was amazing in that series. You also have the rest of the cast. I, as far as I remember, was like super solid. And you have a story that, again, you mentioned like the mental health and the addiction aspects. Super interesting. You have the chess uh aspects the strategy of the game of chess it's just really engrossing watching this film but also you do have that like cast that pulled it off really well and i feel like the queen's gambit was such a fad when it came out and not in a bad way it just kind of blew up for a while and i didn't remember it for this list and i feel like that's a bit of a sign that this show a bit off of the beaten path now but again it's one of those shows that you'll forget about But then when you remember it and you do a rewatch, it's probably going to be so satisfying to, you know, watch through again. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, All right, man. What do you got for me? Yeah. So my next one, uh, you did say that this one would count. Um, I went with uh, Got Hot D, Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon on HBO. Uh, Or should I say Home Box Office Maximum, as I've been calling it. Um, But no, this... Game of Thrones didn't count for this list, even though so many people binged through it. But I had to go with this show if this is going to count. House of the Dragon was such a treat to watch. It's a show that the first episode or two, I I liked it, but I didn't love it yet. And by the time you get into like the preceding episodes after that, I just fell in love with this show. And it really captured a lot of that. Game of Thrones magic that I had been missing since the original series. You have the political intricacies and intrigue of all that. You have the debaucherous behind the scenes actions of certain characters that it's just like such a such like a fun well of just <laughs> debaucherous political intrigue to dive into just like what you would want from Game of Thrones and we've talked about it drew so I don't know what else to say but when it comes to streaming series like this had to make my list um, and my only the only thing that made me second guess it is that this show came out weekly as opposed to the binge model and I feel like that's a whole different discussion to have but there's a lot of streaming shows that do come out weekly as opposed to Stranger Things or any of the Netflix shows, for example. So um, I don't know if we matched on this one or if you have any thoughts on this one, per se. We did but. not. And this
0: one was one that I struggled with a little bit to
1: make my list.
0: Um, it's House of the Dragon is a great show. It's a great addition to the Game of Thrones pantheon and more from that universe always. Um, this it, it's such a great beginning to what's going to be the war of the Targaryen, the civil war amongst that family and what tore them apart. So I can't wait to see more, but uh, when you hit my next two picks, you're going
1: to understand why this didn't make my list. So, yeah, one thing, one last thing I'll say, not to go on and on about uh, House of the Dragon, but this show, um, the time jumps at the beginning of it were a little jarring, and I do think that does contribute to it being hard to get into for some people and i know i remember us talking about the next season is not going to have any time jumps yeah, if said, I remember no, correctly. they said
0: no more time jumps the reason yeah. the time jumps happened was because they wanted to take that first season and they said we're going to trust that the audience is as smart as we think they are and we're going to tell 19 <laughs> years of storytelling in 10 episodes and we're going to get everyone caught up so when we start the second season the chessboard has been set and we can yeah. just focus on the war that takes place.
1: And and that's awesome because the show is in a flow right now and they're not going to be disrupting it with actors changing and stuff like that. We're in the flow of the sequence of, of events and we can just jump into the second season and go take it for the ride that it is, and that's going to be so great. But uh, I wasn't even going to mention anything about this, but I do love that they said we're going to trust the audiences as smart as we think they are. And I kind of feel like everybody who's making a show needs to have that attitude. Trust your audience. Don't dumb things down. Don't overly simplify things. We're smart. We're going to pay attention and just give us good, intricate storytelling. And that's what Game of Thrones has been delivering on for what, like a decade at this point, you know? So, yeah. And if you're
0: concerned about the uh, and if your audience doesn't get it, that's your audience's fault. Yeah, that's what I say. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway. um, All right. So my next pick of the night is Ted Lasso. Of course, I'm going to pick Ted Lasso. Um, (laughs) Yeah. This, uh, this series is wonderful and charming, and it's probably the best television show on television right now, period. Um, I know there's some people on the internet that had issues with the final season, um, and I've read some of their quibbles and arguments, and I'm like, I don't know if you, I think, I don't know what you wanted from the show, but I think the show never gave up what it was. It never stopped being what it set out to be, um, but the show ultimately is about being a good person. It's about being a better person. It's about doing right and treating others properly and growing with your friends and, you know, creating a family and, you know, just being the best version of who you can be. That's ultimately what the show is about. And it deals heavily with mental health and everything. Um, this show is amazing. Uh, Peter, if you have any way of watching it i know you don't have apple tv but if you have any way of watching it you really really need to watch it you would love this show it's so funny it's so charming there's not one episode where i didn't laugh through a lot of it um but it's incredible um and it makes you want to move to england because that's that just seems like a better place to live than where we do right now to be honest so
1: hey (laughs) (laughs) so i I don't know i don't know a lot about this show but i do know that any time that uh any time it's brought up Everybody in the room just talks about how much they love it. So I guess I do have to check this out at some point. Um, Honestly, oh, keep going. I was just going to say, no, finish your statement and then I'll give a quick (laughs) what what my statement was really dumb, but you mentioning that it takes place in England or has to do with England sells it a little bit more for me because I do love my British stuff, but uh, no, keep going. Uh, so what we you going to say
0: it's about a football coach, an American football coach who he's, a, he's a coach for like, just won a championship for a college. And he's hired by a uh, soccer uh, league, uh, by a soccer team to run yeah. their team and be the general manager for their team. And everyone's like, What the hell is this? Because he's not one of us. He doesn't know the game. Like, why are you where what are you doing? And turns out that the woman who owns the team just got the team in her divorce with the other owner of the team. And she's so mad at her ex-husband that she hired Ted because she wants him to just do a horrible job, tank the team. And it completely ruins the team. And then it was just like a big F you to her ex-husband. Turns out Ted is incredibly humble and charming and wants everyone to be the best version of them that they can be and starts turning the team around in a way that she didn't expect and does great things and they have their ups and downs, but at the end of the day, it's about being a good person. There's this really cool scene where um, one of the journalists asks Ted Lasso out for a drinks one night. He's like, do you, would you be interested in, He's like, oh, no, no, it's the other way around. The uh, journalist was being a little, like, uh, pushy with an interview. And Ted's like, well, how about this? Let's go get a couple drinks, man. Nice. Like, seriously? He's like, yeah, let's go get some drinks. Why don't we just chop it up? So they're, like, having drinks. And the journalist asked him about coaching. And he goes, look, I like coaching. I love coaching games. That's one of my favorite things to do. That's why I do the job I do. But I'm not just a coach of the sport. I want them to be the best version of them they can be. And then your brain clicks and you're like, oh, my God, he's talking about being a life coach, too, not just a coach of the sport that we like to watch, you know. So um, I'm not the biggest soccer fan and I don't know a lot about the rules and everything. But soccer, I feel like, is almost a side, a subplot line to what's really going on in the show. Right. Um, And it's it's just a wonderful show, dude.
1: And it's so funny. Um, it is so funny. So, yeah, watch it. It's great. That's that's awesome. I do have to ask you one more thing about the show, though, because you do say that it is probably the greatest TV show on right now. And I hear that and I just have to ask, are you I, caught up? Huh? I hope I'm not overselling it either, but go ahead. <laughs> well, I just hearing that, I just have to ask, are you caught up with the Kardashians, though? Yeah. Yeah. OK. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. Touche, I guess. Um, No, with that being said, I could probably go into my final uh, pick for the week. Uh, We've already talked about it, but uh, I went with Stranger Things for for the one I was saving for last. I love this show. This is without a doubt. I think I can confidently say is my favorite show made for streaming. Um, I've watched all the seasons more than once, except for the last one, but... It's one of those things where I just I fell in love with the series and I felt like during season two and three, I still liked them so much. And I, I I don't know if I thought they were as good as the first season, but I still loved and appreciated the show and respected the show. And I felt like a lot of people I noticed started to criticize the second and third season like a little bit more than I think was warranted. It's almost like they took the show for granted to, to an extent. And I just love that the fourth season just blew everybody's minds. And they're just like, okay, you can't top the first season, but this season was amazing. And I just loved that everybody kind of re-embraced the show. Cause I think it's not perfect, but it is a really awesome show. And I do, I do love like how much hype the show got in this last season. And, uh, I know where we have a writer's strike and I don't know how soon we're going to get season five, but uh, it's been a great ride with everybody with this one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hear
0: you. And uh, season five, when we finally get it, I mean, we're coming in and all hell's breaking loose because that that rift is now open and the upside down is right side up now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, all right, so my final pick, I feel like uh, it's kind of a gimme, but I went with The Mandalorian. Um, All right. Nice. This, this is, if being a lifelong Star Wars fan, um, this is a dream come true to be getting weekly Star Wars. Weekly Star Wars of this caliber. Um, And in my opinion, it just keeps getting better. And... It's, it's one of those like shows that it's like everything has to stop so I can sit down and watch this week, the next episode of Mandalorian when I know it's a Mandalorian week. Um, so, yeah, Mandalorian. I We talk about it a lot on the show. We dive into the episodes. We discuss heavily things. I don't need to go any farther on it. Just the Mandalorian. So.
1: Yeah, right on. Great, great call. Um, we've been talking about this one decently recently, too, so it's hard to. Add a lot to what we've yeah. been saying, but uh yeah, I'm surprised awesome. we didn't match when we got to the end and I'm like, did he pick Mandalorian too? that's cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know I didn't it didn't make my list um for whatever reason, I wasn't thinking a lot about the Disney plus shows when I put this one together. I don't know <laughs> I don't know what it was but uh right. yeah, definitely a good call with that one so well, at any rate, um that brings us to the
0: end of this list, but uh you're picked for next week, man. so what are we doing?
1: Yeah, so uh, next week, it's a little bit of a weird list, but I think it'll be pretty fun. Um, And Drew, you, a while back, you picked the list where we were going to talk about our top five films to show to someone for educational purposes, if you remember (laughs) that one. And uh, I was thinking it'd be cool to take that concept and explore a specific genre. So I thought it'd be fun to do our top five superhero films. To show on for educational purposes, oh. and there's a lot of different ways to look at this. But one way I was thinking is, if you meet someone who doesn't know anything about the superhero genre, what are five films you could show them to show them the? You could show them the variety of the genre. You could show this is how you make a good superhero film. You could show, maybe you pick a bad film. Maybe you say this is what not to do. I don't know. There's a lot of different ways to look at this, but I thought it would be a really interesting prompt. And I'm kind of curious what you come up with this one for this one. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is this is
0: going to be an interesting list. Um, and I definitely like the idea. So let's see how it plays. Awesome. Yes, yeah. Um, all right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, I say we toss this one in the can and call it a night if you're all right with that. Yeah, let's go for yeah. it. All right, everybody, do us a favor. Check out our website, topfivereport.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter, Facebook, and along to link along with a link to our email, topfivereport@gmail.com. You can interact with the show there. Head us up on our social media, either way works. Um, you can f- uh, follow us. Sorry, we are on Apple Podcasts iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon, Audible. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You will also um, you can also leave us a review, which we love those 5 stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and
1: Instagram at drew3927. Peter, what about you? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at ninja pierre and that's where i will be getting in tune with sailor moon because that cartoon has got the boom anime babes that make me think the wrong thing (laughs) (laughs) i'm like that one just keep going Um, (laughs) all
0: right um everybody for the top five report i'm drew i'm peter and thanks for listening we'll see you next week